Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. I want to share with you this morning the following verses detail the beginning of the church that I'm going to share. It grew from a few hundred to several thousand in just a matter of days and weeks. And there are three key principles in our passage that contributed to the growth of Christianity. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says this. This is our vision scripture for our church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. And so the scripture gives us a model of how we can see the church grow. How many know God's called the church to grow? He wants us to thrive. And I look forward to the day where we have to have multiple services and these places are packed because God is calling us to grow and to stand up and to, and to serve our community. And so the Bible says that if we do certain things, God will add to the number. How many know only God can bring the growth? Now we need to be obedient to his word and to his vision. But notice how that passage mentions together three different times. It is critical for the growth of the church that we be together. Christianity was not meant to be lived alone. It's not a solo life. If we believe, I believe if we do these things mentioned in the book of Acts, the Lord will add to our numbers those who will be saved. We want people saved every Sunday. Now, but this can only be accomplished together. I can't do it by myself. The pastoral staff can't do it by ourselves. In fact, we're the coaching staff. You're the players on the team. We're the coaches to encourage you and inspire you. But you're the ones that actually play the game and bring people to Christ. And so the title of my message this morning is Christianity is a Team Sport. Uh, now, the New Testament is filled with sports metaphors. I love that about the Bible. There's sports in the Bible. It talks about the Olympics, track and field, boxing and wrestling. So MMA, that's what I'm saying in the Bible. I love mixed martial arts. Anybody with me, mixed martial arts? Yes, I know it looks barbaric, but it's awesome. And it's biblical because boxing and wrestling is in the Bible. Gymnastics, and some have even said that you can find the sport, if you want to call it a sport, golf, in the Bible. After all, the Apostle Paul said, I finished the course. I imagine he was prophetically thinking of the golf course. And so the motto of our church, you've heard it, is better together. And I want to share with you our vision statement. It is living and loving life together in Jesus. If anybody asks you, hey, what's your church about? We're about living and loving life together in Jesus Christ. You should be have that, have that memorized, have that on your lips, being ready to share it with whoever asks, what is your church like? What is their vision? What are they about? Well, they're about living and loving life together in Jesus Christ. That's who we are. If we will love one another, if we will live for Christ, then he is going to bring growth in among us. For us to realize our vision, we must all participate. Christianity is not a spectator sport either. 
Today, as your pastor, I want to challenge you to do three things. For BFA to fulfill our vision and see the church grow, first of all, we must, number one, worship together. So we're better together, and these are the three areas that we're better together. We're better together when we worship together. Now, while we can worship alone or in our car or at home, there's just something powerful when Christians get together and praise and worship God. There's just something about that. And, and certainly we are, to, we are to worship in our own prayer closet or in privately. But when we come together, I want to encourage you to join in the game, of, to worship the Lord. There's power in numbers. Do you remember when the Promise Keepers was a powerful movement in our nation? I'll never forget. I went to different stadiums, and it would be packed with men worshiping God. And I felt like it was a part of heaven. And there was one time in the Coliseum, in the Coliseum, when the Raiders were, were there. How, many, how could the Spirit of God be there if the Raiders are there? But anyway, <laughs> whoops, I better be careful. That's my wife's team. Uh, anyway, I may be coming home with somebody else today. But in the Coliseum, there were 60,000 men singing Amazing Grace a cappella. I've never experienced anything like that, but it, may, it helped me see just a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. It's not boring. It is majestic. It is powerful. It's one of the mo most moving experiences I've ever had. And so we need you to join with us because we are called to worship together because there is power in numbers. Listen to this promise in Matthew 18, 19. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Did you hear that? Whenever we come together, two or three or more come together, Jesus promises to be there in his presence with us. And he promises to do what the will of God would have him do. And so, whenever we worship, the Lord is there. And before the Holy Spirit was poured out, look what the disciples were doing in Acts 1.14. The disciples all joined together, there it is again, constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were joined constantly in prayer. And I want to tell you something, every revival is preceded by prayer. It doesn't just happen. Revivals happen when people pray. And so in Acts 1.14, they were constantly praying. Now look at what happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, there it is again, in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were setting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Is that awesome? They had been in prayer and then God showed up. The Holy Spirit, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about spiritual gifts on Sunday night. And I want us, especially for our children, to understand that's like a superpower. You know, we see all these superheroes in the movies and on TV. There's just... People are hungry for superheroes, but I'm here to tell you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a superhero. You have spiritual gifts. You have supernatural power. And we need to train our children from the time they're young 
to know that God's given them gifts. Even children have gifts of encouragement and different ministry gifts. And so we need to stir up those gifts in our children even. I'll never forget as each one of my children were baptized in the Holy Spirit, what a difference that made. And so when we worship together, Jesus is there. And when we worship together, we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to know that there are three opportunities every week to come and worship together. First of all, there's Sunday morning right here. This is one of our times where we worship together. The other one is Sunday night. It's prayer, but we also have a time of worship and the word. And then there's Wednesday night. I would invite you to at least come to one of them. Come to one of the three. Make that commitment that you're going to serve the Lord. You're going to worship together with other believers, either on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, or bless God, all three, if you feel the, the witness of the Spirit. And I want to just do a little plug for Wednesday night. We discussed depression on last Wednesday night, and it was a powerful time of looking into the Word and how we overcome depression. And so one thing that we want to be is very practical. We want to help people grow in their relationship with the Lord and be healthy body, soul, and spirit. I invite you to come this Wednesday. We're still talking about depression. If you know of someone who struggles with it or if you yourself struggle with it, you can come or you can watch online. It's better to come live because people share their own ideas and it's amazing how much I learn. I learn from the audience and how much people share. I, I so appreciate that. You don't quite pick that up online. But I want to challenge you in this coming year to make that commitment to attend one or more worship service consistently. You know, something happens when we worship together. The second challenge I give you as your coach is number two, to fellowship together. One thing we learned from COVID is we didn't have enough small groups. And when they shut down the church meeting in a large setting, a lot of churches were able to continue to meet through their small groups. And so I was committed that we will never be in that situation again where the church cannot meet. And so I want to make sure the doors don't close, but we also have small groups available should something happen. How many know that's how the church began? Meeting in homes and in small groups. And so one thing I want us to commit to is fellowshipping together. Every Christian needs to be in at least one life group. And you saw the life groups. Some are Bible studies, some are exercise, some are just activities that are fun. I mean, you know, God just wants us to get together. He wants us to come together, whether it's in the Bible study or just fellowship with one another. And we have so many opportunities. You got to be in one life group, just one. Try it out. Life groups are where we work out our salvation together. Now, worshiping together in a large capacity is vital, but life groups are crucial in a small capacity. And so this is especially true in the last days. You know this scripture, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. There's that word again as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's the main focus of these small groups, encouragement. We just want to encourage people. We want to help them work out their salvation. We want to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And life groups are essential. 
And that's where your spiritual family is fostered and built. I want to tell you a true story. The wife of a guy I know personally almost died giving birth. It was very serious and very touch and go. Finally, after many hours when she and the baby were stable and out of danger, the emotionally exhausted husband took the elevator to the lobby of the hospital. He was all alone, and he had been through this ordeal. But when the doors of the elevator opened, there gathered in the lobby were the men from his life group. They had been waiting together and praying for him. And the husband was so moved, he just fell into their arms and wept as they surrounded him. That's the power of life groups. You see, God has called each one of us to minister to one another. And we can be there in those times. We need fellowship with one another. Look at 1 John 1.3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So we got to have fellowship with the Lord and we got to have fellowship with one another. I challenge you to faithfully attend one of our worship services. I invite you to join one of our life groups. And finally, I encourage you, number three, to serve together. Let's worship together, let's fellowship together, and let's serve together. Another challenge I want to give you is to find your place in ministry. It could be ushers. It could be greeters. It could be on the worship team. It could be in the choir. It could be as a teacher. There are so many different ministries in the church that take place that you would have a place for you. And so, and, and if every believer had their place in ministry, I believed nothing could hold us back. And so, look at Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so when we serve in a ministry of the church, we are being built together. And in fact, you will be built up yourself. Whenever you serve, God's ministers to you build you up as well. And so when we focus on building up other people, then others will build us up as well. And God will dwell among us because when we serve in a ministry, we're in this together. And when we serve together, something powerful and life-changing happens. Look at Ephesians 4.15 in the New Living Translation. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together, there it is again, perfectly. As each part does its own special work. We only fit together if we're doing our own special work. And it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what we're to become. And when we worship together and when we fellowship together and when we serve together, then we will become the church that God wants us to be. When we serve, God sees it. In Hebrews, it says that when we serve we are surrounded like in a stadium by those who have already gone to heaven. Calls it a great cloud of witnesses. So how many know that heaven can see us here and cheer us on? And I believe that the heaven, those who have gone on before us are cheering us on to win this race and win this game of life.
Some years ago, true story again, Columbia University had a great football coach by the name of Lou Little. And one day Lou had a boy try out for the varsity team who wasn't very good. But Lou noticed that there was something unique about him. While he wasn't nearly as good enough to make the team, he had such an irrepressible spirit and contagious enthusiasm that Lou thought, this boy will make a great inspiration on the bench. He'll never be able to play, but I'll leave him on the team to encourage the others. Isn't that amazing that the power of a positive attitude and an encouraging spirit? And as the season went on, Lou began to develop a tremendous admiration and love for this boy. And one of the things that especially impressed him was the manner with which the boy obviously cared for his, his father. Whenever the father would come for a visit to the campus, the boy and his father would always be seen walking together arm in arm, an obvious indication of an exceptional bond of love between them. And they could always be seen on Sunday going to and from the university chapel. It was obvious that theirs was a deep and mutually shared Christian faith. Then one day a telephone call came to Coach Little. He was informed that the boy's father had just died and he was asked to be the one to tell the boy. And with a heavy heart, Lou informed the boy of his father's death and the boy immediately left to go home for the funeral. A few days later, the boy returned to the campus only two days before the biggest game of the season. And Lou went to him and said, is there anything I can do for you, son? Anything at all? And to the coach's astonishment, the boy said, let me start the game on Saturday. <laughs> Lou was taken aback. He thought, I can't let him start. He's not good enough. But he remembered his promise to help and said, all right, you can start the game. But he thought to himself, I'll leave him in for a few plays and then take him out. And the day of the big game arrived, and to everyone's surprise, the coach started this boy who had never played in a game the whole season. But imagine even the coach's surprise when on the very first play, that boy was the one who single-handedly single made the tackle that threw the opposing team for a loss. The boy went on to play inspired football, play after play, and in fact, he played so exceptionally that Lou left him in the entire game. And the boy led his team to victory, and he was voted most outstanding player of the game. And when the game was finally over, Lou approached the boy and said, Son, what got into you today? And the boy replied, You remember when my father would visit me here at school, and we would spend a lot of time together walking arm in arm around the campus? My father and I shared a secret that nobody around here knew anything about. You see, my father was blind. And today was the first time he ever saw me play. Is that just awesome? Football story that I get choked up on. I challenge you, find your place to serve and play to your very best because someone is watching and all of heaven is watching. Will you commit to one service a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Will you commit to fellowship together? Find a life group, join it, and be a part of it. Maybe you can be that person that comforts someone else. And finally, will you commit to serving together? When we serve together, fellowship happens and things begin to take on a miraculous state. And so I invite you today to make a commitment to those three things and let's see what God can do. Would you stand with me? You're all invited to the church picnic. Bless God, it's indoors. We're not stupid. 
We are not going to make you stand in 111 degree heat, but there's food, there's games, there's, there's Bible trivia, there's fellowship. And so I'm going to dismiss you with the blessing and I encourage you just head on over to the FMC and let's fellowship together. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. God bless you. You're free to go. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.